start the next in the series on the last days. And in the first um, section that we dealt with, the first series that we dealt with, we looked at key events that um, had to take place before our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth, as revealed to us in Scripture. And those key events we looked at in the previous series are the key events that have already taken place in the earth and the key events that are currently taking place in the earth today. And so we can quite uh, readily identify those key events because, as I say, we can look back on historical records <coughs> to see what has really transpired and we can look uh, around us currently at the political situation and um, how th uh, things are developing in the earth and we can tie that back to what the scripture has revealed to us thousands of years ago would be transpiring in the days that we're living in now. And so we're now going into the next uh, section of the last day series and that is um, all the events that are to take place shortly from here on uh, afterwards. So these events have not yet transpired in the earth but they're um, events that are about to transpire in the earth. Um, nevertheless, there are further events we'll look at as we get into the series that will then obviously take place in, in, very much closer to when our Lord Jesus Christ does return to the, to the earth. But the events that we're going to be looking at um, in this coming series now is all the events that are yet to take place in the earth, um, but from what we can see in God's timeline as what has been revealed to us thus far, these events should be taking place in the earth in the not too distant future. And so the very first event we want to look at um, in this series, <coughs> beginning today, is we want to look at the ten kings that both the prophet Daniel and the apostle John were shown in the end times, because um, those ten kings play a pivotal role in the affairs of the end times as they unfold in the earth. And so it's important for us to understand what is their role, uh, who they are, and um, how they will impact uh, the church specifically um, as she heads into the end times. And so the opening scripture we want to look at today is in Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 to 24. We've looked at this uh, vision uh, in previous teachings in this series thus far, we will continue to look at it because it is very instructive to us of the events of the end days. So beginning at verse 7, the prophet Daniel speaking, he says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Verse 8, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Verse 19, then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, 
which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet, and the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. Verse 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. And so this is the first time in Scripture where we see these uh, ten kings revealed to us pertaining to the last days. And we've already established uh, quite uh, clearly in this series thus far that this fourth kingdom that uh, Daniel sees, and which the angel speaks about, uh, is in fact the kingdom of Islam. And that is the, the fourth kingdom which is already in the earth today, and it's been in the earth since the year 610 AD, and has grown in influence in the earth ever since then. And uh, we also um, quoted the, the statistic that it is estimated that by the year 2030, which is just uh, over 10 years away, it is estimated that a quarter of the world's population will be within that kingdom, uh, within the Muslim faith, that is. And so the fourth kingdom is definitely the re religion of Islam. But we, in this uh, passage of scripture, we see the sequence of events revealed to us in that these ten kings will emerge from the fourth kingdom. So now the fourth kingdom is already in place. And so we see that these ten kings will arise out of that kingdom. And so these ten kings is, are in, in fact going to be a confederacy of ten leaders that will emerge from the Islamic faith. Because don't forget, this kingdom is not secular in nature. This kingdom is spiritual in nature. That's why the, the, the angel and the vision specifically says to us that this fourth kingdom is different from all other kingdoms. Because this kingdom is, is spiritual in nature. It is faith-based. And so there are going to be ten leaders... Now, these ten leaders have not emerged that, uh, in, in the earth today that within the Islamic faith that people can identify and say, okay, those are the ten leaders. Um, quite clearly, those ten leaders have not yet emerged. Um, but nevertheless, these ten leaders will emerge from the Islamic faith and they will, be, they will form a confederacy within the Islamic faith. Now, because these ten leaders <coughs> will emerge out of this kingdom, which is the Islamic faith, their um, influence as leaders in the fourth kingdom will not be political in nature per se. Their, their uh, influence will be by and large religious in nature. They will be religious leaders within the Muslim faith. And... Um, the, the religious leaders in the Muslim faith currently, they, have, they call themselves Grand Muftis and they call themselves Grand Ayatollahs. So it, they have that kind of a title that they, they ascribe to these leaders. So the chances are very strong that these ten leaders 
will fall into that category. So there will not be um, presidents of like of, or the, the leader of Saudi Arabia and the leader of Jordan. Um, more um, like the leader of Iran currently. Um, although they have the, the, the political leader, they also have this religious leader which um, exerts great influence in that nation. And so that's the kind of leadership that, will, that these ten kings will represent when they come um, to the fore in the, uh, the world, uh, world affairs. And we'll, we'll understand why it is um, as we get into this particular uh, section of, the, of the, the last days, why it is that these leaders would in fact be religious in nature rather than secular. Um, because of what they're going to be used of the Lord to do in the earth, um, if they were secular leaders, if they were heads of nations, um, then there would be, uh, things would pan out completely differently. But because these particular leaders are uh, religious leaders of the Muslim faith, they will be able to do things that uh, uh, secular leaders would not get away with. And we'll see it as we go, go through the teaching in, in a bit more detail. Now also from within this passage of scripture, we see here that ultimately the Antichrist will also arise from within the Muslim faith because he is that little horn that uh, Daniel sees in this vision and which the angel speaks about as well, about the little horn, that um, he will be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. Now again, we, we I've touched on it briefly in the previous series, but we'll, we'll bring it up again now. Um, within the Muslim faith, there are the two main streams, and that is the Sunni stream and then there's the Shia stream. And within the Shia stream, there are three uh, countries that are predominantly sh uh, Shia in the Muslim faith, and that is the countries of Iran, Iraq, and Lebanon. Those three are predominantly Shia. Now, in this passage, we see here that the, the little horn arises and three of the horns, of the ten horns, fall before him. And so the angel says, um, in verse 24, the ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall arise after them. And so the Antichrist, because that other little horn is the Antichrist. And so we see again the sequence of events. The, the fourth kingdom in place first, then and the ten kings, or the ten leaders, will arise out of this kingdom. And these ten leaders will definitely be religious leaders, because as I say, it's so clear that this fourth kingdom is the kingdom of Islam. And so the sequence of events is um, the fourth kingdom, which is Islam, it's already established. These ten uh, leaders, religious leaders from within that faith, become prominent within that faith. And then only after these ten have been manifested into the earth, does then the Antichrist come into the earth. And so that's the sequence of events that have to take place. Now, when the Antichrist does arise, the scripture says, or the angel and the vision obviously, says that um, he shall subdue three kings. So three of these ten religious leaders will uh, be impacted on uh, quite profoundly by the Antichrist. And so he will bring these three um, ten leaders 
under his do domain, uh, under his rule. The other seven will, will willingly submit to him straight away, and these three will be brought into the fold. Now, as I said, the, we have the two streams within the uh, um, Islamic faith, <clears throat> and it's very significant that three uh, nation states in, in the Muslim world currently are predominantly Shia. That's Iran, Iraq, and um, Lebanon. And so what we will see happening is when the Antichrist comes on the scene is that he will, however he does it, you know, the scripture is not um, very descriptive on the issue, but however he does it, he will bring those other three nation states into the Sunni fold uh, when he comes on board. Um, and so that is really what will transpire. So all of these ten leaders will come out of the Muslim faith. They will all be religious leaders. As I say, could be grand muftis or grand ayatollahs. They have different titles given to them. Um, they will be in place before the Antichrist arises. When the Antichrist arises from within the Muslim faith as well, and we're not going to get into the person of the Antichrist in any detail today, he will um, have the impact of bringing the three Shia Muslim leaders into the Sunni fold. And so he will unite the Muslim faith under his reign. There will no longer be these two different streams, mainstream, there are other smaller streams, but the two main streams within the Muslim faith is the Shia stream and the Sunni stream. It seems to be that the Antichrist will uh, bring all of the, the Muslim belief under the, into the Sunni fold, uh, kind of, and so the, the three uh, Shia leaders will acknowledge him as being their saviour, and we'll get into the eschatology as we get into this um, series. So that's where the ten will come from, and that's the, the, how, they will, how they will be made manifest in the earth. But when they are made manifest in the earth, there's going to be uh, certain roles that they are going to play in the earth as well. So let's pick up on some scripture that deals with them. Um, as to what roles God has purposed for them in the earth when they are manifested into the earth. And we pick up in Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 to 14. And this is the, the second time that we see the ten kings spoken about uh, in Scripture. In fact, it's not the second time, um, because the book of Psalms also refers to them. We'll get to that as well. And so Revelation 17, 1 to 14, the Scripture says, Then one of the seven angels... <coughs> who had the seven bowls, came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, um, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, we've dealt with the seven heads in one of the previous teachings, but now we're dealing with the ten horns. Um, verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Verse 12. 
The ten horns which you saw are ten kings, who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. And then another passage of Scripture I want to look at is in Revelation 16, verse 13 to 16. The Scripture says, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, and gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And so here we have another descriptive account of these ten kings that will arise in the earth. And we see that the authority that is given to them is relatively brief because the scripture say, the angel says they, they are given um, to reign for one hour in the earth. Now, obviously, one hour is not one hour, literally, but it, it does uh, indicate to us that the, the, the period of their reign in the earth will be a relatively brief one. But we can, from what we will pick up in Scripture and what we understand in Scripture thus far, we can estimate the period of their, their reign in the earth. Because when we get to look at the person of the Antichrist himself, we will see in Scripture, he's quite plain about the fact that the Antichrist actually will reign over the fourth kingdom for a period of seven years. Now, we've seen thus far that uh, the Antichrist is, it will reign from the, the uh, city of Jerusalem, the temple, for a period of three and a half years that we have already established, and we'll get into more detail along that line. But the Antichrist himself, when he reigns in the earth, um, Scripture is also very plain to us as to his total period of reign in the earth, which is a period of seven years. And so it's over the fourth kingdom that the Antichrist will reign for a period of seven years. But over the, the, um, the Israel and over uh, the saints in his location, that reign is given to him for three and a half years. But we've seen in, in these passages that we've read so far, the Antichrist uh, comes onto the, the world stage only after the ten kings have already been made manifest in the earth. And so it's quite evident that the, the ten kings, their period of reign will be for a longer period than the seven-year period of the reign of the Antichrist because they will already be in place before the Antichrist uh, is manifested in the earth. So it's not we, we, we're not told how long that one hour of uh, reign is that pertains to these ten kings. But nevertheless, we do know it will be longer than a seven-year period because these ten kings reign with the Antichrist from the time that he uh, comes on the, on the scene all up until the time of the end of the age, which in their case is in fact the Battle of Armageddon. 
uh, because these 10 kings form a, a, a confederacy. We've already established that. The scripture says that they will be of one mind. And so they are certainly going to be in unison. Um, they will be supportive of one another and they will form the nucleus, nucleus of this fourth kingdom. Now, it is the fourth kingdom that, in fact, will um, be the kingdom that will uh, stand against the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns to the earth. Um, in verse 14 of Revelation 16, well, that passage, what happens is we have a picture of Satan himself. He's the dragon. The picture of the, the Antichrist, who is the beast, and the picture of the false prophet. Now, as we get into the end times, we will see that there will be the reign of the Antichrist. When he reigns on the earth, he will have a false prophet who will reign with him. And again, the, the Islamic uh, eschatology also speaks about their savior with his prophet. But anyway, we'll get into that in more detail. And so what we see in this passage in, in Revelation 16 is that these, these demons come out of um, Satan, the, the beast, and the false prophet. And the demons go out and they... Uh, bring the kings of the earth together to battle against the Lord Jesus. And it's, called, it's at, the, at the place called Armageddon. And so what will happen is that these demons will go out and they will bring in all of the kings of this fourth kingdom. Because, again, if we go back to um, Revelation 17, it says <clears throat> in verse 13 there, it says, These are of one mind, talking about the, the ten horns, the ten leaders, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. We've already established that they will hand over their kingdom to the Antichrist when he does arrive. And these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. And so it's not the whole earth that will come at the Battle of Armageddon to fight against the Lord and his saints. It is these, the ten kings, the, the Islamic faith, will they will be uh, gathered at that particular point to the place called Armageddon, and they will then be obviously destroyed by the Lord at that point in time. But it is, it is them that will um, support the, the, the dragon being uh, Satan, um, the beast being the Antichrist, and his prophet at that time, because they will take their stand against the Lord at the Mount of Olives. And we'll get to that as we go through this series as well. And so... That's just giving us another indication as to where these, these, these ten kings come from, what their influence will be, the fact that they will be submissive to the Antichrist when he does come into the earth, and the fact that they will be um, instrumental in the unifying that fourth kingdom in standing against the Lord Jesus and his saints when our Lord Jesus Christ does in fact come into the earth. Um, and so thus they will be destroyed by him. And uh, we'll get into that in more because that's right at the end of the age. But all of this is taking place prior to our Lord Jesus Christ returning. And now another scripture that does allude to these ten kings is in the Psalms. And I did mention that earlier. Psalm 83 verse 1 to 8. The scripture says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, 
let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. That Now he gets to name them. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Agrites, Gebel, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia within the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria has also joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. And so here we have a picture of what will transpire in the nation of Israel when the Antichrist does come uh, into the earth. They will in fact invade the nation of Israel and their whole purpose and stated aim will be to destroy the nation of Israel. Because these are the Islamic states that will align themselves uh, very quickly to the Antichrist when he is made um, manifest in the earth. Because, the, don't, don't forget, in their eschatology, the Antichrist is their savior. He is our Antichrist. He is their savior. And so all of the Muslim nations will align themselves to him very quickly when he comes into the earth. Now, we've already established, and we'll get into it uh, in a bit more depth as well, when the Antichrist does come into the earth, one of his, uh, well, his main stated aim would be to invade the nation of Israel and to set up his reign from the temple of Israel. That temple will have been built by that time. We've already established that. And so, <clears throat> although the Antichrist will reign in, in the earth for that seven-year period over the fourth kingdom, it is only halfway through his reign that the nations of the Muslim, Muslim nations around Israel will invade the nation of Israel, uh, headed up by the Antichrist. And they will basically take over the nation of Israel, and the Antichrist will set up his reign from the temple for that three and a half year period. That's when the Great Tribulation uh, will begin in the earth, primarily in the fourth kingdom. Now, every one of the nations that have been listed in Psalm 83 um, pertain to the Islamic nations today, geographically speaking. Where the Islamic nations are focused and centered around today, that's the, the geographic location as spoken by the psalmist in Psalm 83. So when he lists those nations, he speaks about the tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, uh, Tyre and Assyria and also speaks about the children of Lot. All of those nations uh, today are Muslim nations and they are the Muslim nations that currently surround the nation of Israel. And so they're the nations that the, the will, as we, we, we pretty much clearly established, will align themselves to the Antichrist. They will be used by the Antichrist to invade the nation of Israel um, and there is, from that point, from that temple, the Antichrist will set up uh, his reign in the earth. <clears throat> and so we see from this passage of Scripture that their stated aim is to, in fact, destroy the nation of Israel. Verse 4, it says, They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And so that is the prophetic uh, st uh, statement. Now, back in uh, the psalmist's day, those nations were also pretty much against Israel. But in the end times, um, the, that is the stated aim of these nations. 
Now, the, the stated aim of the Islamic faith is exactly the same. It is Islam's stated aim that they are centered, not centered around, but the stated aim is that the, the nation of Israel must be destroyed. It has to be done away with. Now, there is a, a, a moderation that's coming into Islamic faith, in, especially in the Sunni realm at the moment. Um, but nevertheless, uh, as we get to the point where the Antichrist comes on board, well then they'll, they, they, their stated aim will once again, again come to the fore. And, you know, it, it's very clear in their writings, uh, their Quran, um, and also their um, hadith. Their hadith is not the, their Quran is, I suppose, equivalent to our Bible. Um, the hadith is equivalent, is, is not the Quran, but it is the writings of the prophets. Um, and a lot of what is written there is very pertinent to the way that Islam's um, conduct their faith. And so within the Quran, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. You can see it. It's, uh, you know, I'm not going to quote anything out of it, but um, there are numerous passages that are, are pretty anti-Semitic. Um, but this one particular passage in the Hadith is very instructive to us as to the Islamic view of Israel as it pertains to the end days. Because don't forget, we're looking at our uh, eschatology, the Christian es eschatology, as, as the Bible reveals to us the end times. But just as the Bible reveals certain key events to us about the end times, so their Quran and their Hadith also reveals to the uh, Muslims certain events about their end times as they see their end times unfolding. And this is the one that I wanted to just quote from. Um, it's in Book 52 of their Hadith, number 177. It's recorded that Allah's Apostles said, The day of judgment will not have come until you fight with the Jews. And the stones and the trees behind which a Jew will be hiding will say, O Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. And so that is, you know, just really put it out there. But their view is their day of judgment can't come until this happens. And so when the Antichrist does come and he says, now's the time for us to invade Israel, it's not going to be something that the Muslims are going to say, well, where did that come from? You know, we've never, it's never even entered into our minds to invade Israel and to do away with the nation of Israel. Oh, you know, we're peace-loving um, faith. Um, that's not the case at all. The Islamic faith is, you know, it's very in your face. They do not want Israel where Israel is today. And their state of aim is the destruction of that nation. And so when their Messiah arrives, speaking of our Antichrist, and he says, now's the time for us to invade Israel, they'll be all on board because that is what they've been taught. That's their, their state of aim. That is their faith, um, is the destruction of the nation of Israel. And so, <clears throat> again, we see very clearly what these ten leaders will be instrumental in doing, these ten uh, kings, these ten horns that we're dealing with now, is that they will be instrumental in aligning the nations, the Muslim nations, to join with the Antichrist in uh, the destruction of Israel, because that is what their, their stated aim is, and that is what uh, 
God will use them to do to bring about His purpose. Because again, don't forget, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. And so God reveals to us what will transpire, but God has a purpose in it as well. And so we're looking at um, what their purpose will be. But before all of that transpires, so uh, obviously the the fourth kingdom's in place, the ten kings will arise. Um, And when the the Antichrist will arise from within the Muslim faith, when he does, he will subdue uh, three of those uh, ten leaders and he will unite all ten under him. And so it seems that the Shia uh, stream will come into the Sunni fold and so that's how the Antichrist will will, um, unite the the Muslim faith completely. Halfway through his reign, he will then say to them, all right, now's the time for us to invade Israel. They will gladly join him because that is what they've been taught all the time in their faith, is the destruction of Israel. Um, Now before all of that happens, before the Antichrist even is made manifest in the earth, these ten kings will do something else first. And that is a, a very significant event that will take place in the earth. And we need to look at what they're going to be doing. And we pick that up account in Revelation 17, verse 5 through to verse 18. So again, just stay with me on the timeline. Fourth kingdom is in place. Now we're waiting for the ten kings to be made manifest. These ten religious leaders, grand ayatollahs or grand muftis, um, when they are in place they will do something first before even the Antichrist is manifested into the earth. Because what we've dealt with now so far is that once the Antichrist is manifested, then they will be used of him to invade the nation of Israel. When our Lord Jesus Christ returns, they will be used of the Antichrist to stand against our Lord, and that's where the Battle of Armageddon takes place. And so it is those Muslim nations um, that will be destroyed by the Antichrist. It's those ten that we saw that will uh, make war with the Lamb and the Lamb will overcome them. But before all of that transpires, this is what will transpire. And so the scripture says, And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. Verse 15, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Verse 16. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill His purpose, to be of one mind. There's that confederacy again and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And so this is one of the the purposes that God raises up these ten kings. Now obviously they fulfill all the other purposes we spoke thus far. But this particular purpose, God uh, puts it into the hearts of these ten kings to destroy the harlot. Now the harlot is obviously Babylon. The scripture refers to the harlot and Babylon. They are synonymous terms for the the same um, entity. And so these ten kings are going to be used by God to destroy Babylon. Now we're going to get into Babylon as well in this series because it's a very important aspect of the end times. 
And so we need to understand um, how Babylon is destroyed um, in Scripture. But with regards to Babylon uh, in Scripture, we'll see it very plainly when we deal with Babylon in the next series. We're not going to deal with Babylon today. In the next teaching, we'll look at Babylon and its destruction. But when we do look at Babylon, we will see that Babylon, in, as referred to in Scripture, is in fact the world system. It is the, the world's economies, really, and the wealth of the world. Um, and it's, it's the way that this world generates uh, wealth so that people can you know, just enjoy um, living after the flesh. And so that is really what Babylon is. It is, it is the, the world's system, mainly speaking about the economy of the world. And so these ten kings will be instrumental in the destruction of the world's economy. That's really what God is, one of their main roles that they are being raised up for. Obviously, they were also going to be subject, uh, submissive to the reign of the Antichrist, and so they will be instrumental in, in used by him in his reign in the earth, when he's on the earth. And they will obviously be instrumental in the battle of Armageddon. But before all of that, they will be instrumental in the destruction of the world's economy. It'll be almost an overnight event when they do this event. Uh, of destroying the world's economy. Now, this is, uh, it starts becoming far more serious because now this impacts on the whole world when this event takes place um, that God speaks about. The fact that they are going to, in verse 16, he says, the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. And so we need to understand the motivation that they have for wanting to destroy the harlot, the hater. And it's the world economies, and we get to discuss this point now, we'll see they actually do hate the world's economy um, and the way that the world is run. And so there is this hatred, and God uses that. Um, he says they will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, and eat her flesh and burn her with fire, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Now God ultimately wants to destroy Babylon, and he wants to destroy the, world, the world's system as it stands. John says, guys, don't love the world, for everything that's in the world and of the world is not of God. Um, and so we, we're not going to touch on Babylon today, but you can take it from here, because when we go into the next teaching, we look at Babylon, we'll see very clearly that that is what I got, uh, the Lord is speaking about. Um, but at this, in this teaching today, we're not going to focus on the ten kings. And so these ten kings will literally hate the world's economy, the world's system, and will want to destroy it. And so, and because God has put it into their hearts to fulfill His purpose, and ultimately God wants to destroy this world system, because this world system is not of God. Babylon, the system of Babylon is not of God. There's nothing godly about the way that this world system is run, and so God will destroy it. And in God's sequence of events leading up towards the end times, this is one of the first major events that really takes place of the wrath of God being poured out, kind of. But this is not, this is God using men to uh, pour out His wrath. Now when He does, I'm just jumping uh, as an aside here quickly, when the church is taken out of the earth, the rapture, um, which is right at the end of the age, after the tribulation, and the wrath of God is poured out, well then that is 
you know, supernatural stuff that's really going to take place in the earth. But this event here of the ten kings being used by God to destroy the world's system, the world's economy, that's man-made, but God-purposed. Because God uh, puts it into their hearts to fulfill His purpose. So men will do it, um, but it will be God who will be motivating them to do it. And so these ten leaders will be instrumental in the, 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 the destruction of the world's economies. And so this is the first thing that they will do. Once they've been made manifest in the earth, the first thing that will, their first point of notoriety, I suppose you could put it, is that they will be instrumental in destroying the economies of the world. It will be an overnight uh, event that will take place, but they will be able to do it um, now the question gets asked then, well how is it possible that they will be able to orchestrate an event of destroying the economies of, of the world and actually get away with it? Well, the, the reason that they can do it is because again we need to understand who they are. They are going to be religious leaders, they're not going to be heads of state. And so, um, <clears throat> Again, let's just go back to the passage of Scripture about this event and what will transpire. It says that these ten horns will destroy the harlot. Now, these are the same ten horns, and the Bible goes on to say, For God will put in their hearts to fulfill His purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Now, these ten kings, from the time that they come on board until the Battle of Armageddon are in place all the time. They never get taken out of um, their influence as, as leaders in, in this fourth kingdom. So they're not destroyed throughout that period of time, from the time that they're made manifest in the earth until the Battle of Armageddon, because it's these ten kings that are used by the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan himself to cause that fourth kingdom to stand against our Lord when He returns. So they're right up until the end of the age. So we're wanting to understand, well, how is it possible if we're saying, because that's what this passage of Scripture is, is teaching us, these ten kings are going to be instrumental in destroying the economies of the world. So the question is asked, well, then how is it possible that the economies of the world get destroyed by these ten kings and never get held, they never get brought to account for doing something like that? Um, because we see quite clearly that they continue with the Antichrist all the way till the end of the age. And so we need to understand how it's possible that they can, because, again, now, now we need to do the explanation as to why these ten kings are, in fact, ten religious leaders. Because don't forget, the, the kingdom of the Antichrist, well, the, the fourth kingdom, it will become the kingdom of the Antichrist, but currently it's the fourth kingdom, is religious in nature, it's faith-based, it is not secular in nature. So, if these ten kings, let's just take the scenario now, and we say these ten kings are now ten leaders of ten nation-states, alright, and they are used, because the scripture is very plain what they will do, they will destroy Babylon. Now, as I said, we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll get into more depth explaining that Babylon, in fact, is, is the world, world's economy. Now, they will destroy it. If they were heads of nation-states, and these ten nation-states destroyed the world's economy. 
Well, believe you me, there, there are powerful nations out there. We, we've identified the three um, of the three other beasts already, which is the United States of America, Russia, and China, which are very powerful, um, military speaking. The combined might of those three nations, there's just nothing that can stand against that. Now, if there was this case that these ten Muslim nation leaders decided to destroy the world's economy. Well, their nations would be completely annihilated by the response that would be forthcoming from those three uh, global superpowers, the United States, Russia, and China. They would all combine, and they would all go in and completely annihilate uh, those ten nation-states that had destroyed the economies of the world. But we don't see that in Scripture, because we see that these ten leaders continue after they've destroyed Babylon, they then are then um, form part of the, 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 the kingdom of the Antichrist. And then they still invade Israel. And then they are still instrumental in um, bringing the, the Muslim nations against our Lord at the Battle of Armageddon. So they're there all the time. So the, the nations are not destroyed. As I say, if it were ten nations that would destroy the economies of the world, those ten nations themselves would be destroyed straight away. Because those other nations are very powerful, military speaking, and they would just do it. But we don't see that in Scripture. It doesn't happen. So how is that possible that these ten leaders will destroy the, the world's economy overnight? And we'll see it when we look at it uh, in the next teaching. But are not brought to account. And they... they, they Nations that they are based in are not brought to account. Well, the reason is, is because there will be ten religious leaders. There will not be ten heads of state. And because they're religious leaders, they will motivate their followers to destroy the world's economy through acts of terrorism. Terrorism. Okay? Um, <clears throat> it will be through an act of terror that they perform in the earth that will bring down the world's economy. And because it is religious leaders that have orchestrated this event to take place, the world's armies, and again, just take those three uh, global superpowers, the armies will be powerless in be being able to do anything about it, react against it, because there won't be anything, there won't be any nation that they can go and invade to take retribution against, because it will be these ten religious leaders inspiring their followers to perform this massive act of terrorism in the earth that will destroy the world's economy. And that's how it's going to happen. And that's why nothing will happen against them. They will continue to, um, to reign, because don't forget, they are religious leaders. They are not secular leaders. So they don't run the governments. Behind the scenes they do, um, as in Iran we see by and large, but they will nevertheless still be religious leaders. And so it, you know, it cannot be that then the, these other nations will then take retribution against those nations because it's not those nations that have performed the act. It is um, Muslim extremists within those nations that have performed the act. And so the, the, the global superpowers will not be able to act with their armies against this type of an event that will occur in the earth. They will in fact be powerless to act because there's nothing to act against.
because it is Muslim extremists that would have done the damage. And we all know what the Muslim extremists do in the earth today. And it's the same thing. That when Muslim extremists uh, um, you know, do all the bomb loss in London and do the bomb loss in Spain and do the, the, the damage in, in, in Paris and all of these cities around the world and in Mali and all the you know, you don't get, well, then the American army now invades um, Saudi Arabia to destroy Saudi Arabia because, um, you know, there was this incident that occurred in America. Now, I do know that the one incident that d did occur in 2001 when Osama bin Laden uh, destroyed the Twin Towers, as a result of that, America, with her, her um, friendly nations that were with her, invaded the nation of Afghanistan. And they you know, kind of basically replaced that government, although it looks like a government's coming back to where it was in, in the first place. But anyway, getting back to that incident. Now, in that case there, Osama bin Laden was a, a very popular person within the Muslim community as an extremist, but he was not a religious leader. And so when America responded in that instance, it was because the, the, um, the Af Afghan government at that time was supportive of Osama and they were harboring him. And they wouldn't hand him over because America called for him to be handed over so that they could prosecute him. They wouldn't hand him over and so America invaded. In the incident that will occur where um, Babylon will be destroyed by the Muslim extremists, again, it, it will be there won't be any hard proof that these 10 leaders have been the ones who have actually orchestrated this event in taking place. And so there will be, the, 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 the global superpowers will be powerless to act with their military might against this event that will take place in the earth. Because it will be an act of terror, it will be Muslim extremists that will be used um, of these 10 leaders, they will orchestrate, the 10 leaders will orchestrate that this event will happen in the earth, um, but the global superpowers will be powerless to act against them because it will be the, uh, to act again against all 10, because these 10 leaders will be prominent leaders within the Muslim faith. And for any nation to act against them would in fact be taking on Islam, because these 10 leaders will be religious leaders within the Islamic faith. That is why there will not be this retribution that will come against them, as we saw against Osama bin Laden. He was not a religious leader. He was popular, but he was not religious. And so that is why America could get away with what they got away with. But to attack these 10 leaders would be to attack the faith of Islam. Now, we said that by uh, 2030, a quarter of the world's population will be Islamic. And so for the world to want to take retribution against uh, these 10 leaders would really be to attack Islam, which means to take on a quarter of the world's population. And that's something that they will not be able to do. Now also, what we saw in Scripture is that the, <coughs> the Antichrist will rise out of this fourth kingdom very soon thereafter. And so they will also then fall under the protection of the Antichrist, because when the Antichrist is made manifest in the earth, he will be a very powerful figure in the earth. And so that will also be another 
reason as to why there's going to be no retribution against these ten leaders when they are used of God to destroy the harlot. Because don't forget, God's timeline is the harlot gets destroyed first. The ten leaders are raised up, then the harlot is destroyed, and only then is the Antichrist made manifest. And then um, three of them uh, submit to him, um, and that other aspect kicks in. But this, the very first thing that they do is they destroy the harlot. For God has put it into their minds to destroy the, into their hearts, to destroy that. And so <clears throat> these ten will want to destroy the world's economies. And so the, the question is asked, um, why? Why would they want to destroy the world's economies? Well, we need to understand Muslim extreme, extremists then, to understand that concept. In the, the year uh, 2014, these are the stats that are available currently, it's estimated that there were roughly 30,000 people that were killed through acts of terror, and I'm talking about acts of terror now, I'm talking about murders, you know, distant domestic murders and accidents, things like that. I'm talking about terror, terrorist attacks. So these are bomb blasts that occur and, you know, that type of terrorist attack that occurs in the earth. So in 2014, Roughly 30,000 people were killed across the, across the globe in acts of terror. Now, the vast majority of those terrorist acts that were committed in 2014, now, the trend hasn't changed. The trend remains the same um, up until today as well. The vast majority of the um, terrorist attacks that were committed in 2014 were committed by Muslim extremists. And so that just kind of gives us an idea as to the motivation that these individuals actually have, is that their motivation is to destroy. And they are very focused in what they want to destroy. But one of the things we don't really pick up very clearly is that of the 30,000 individuals that were killed in that year through acts of terror, not only were the vast majority of the perpetrators Muslim extremists, but the vast majority of the victims were Muslims. We would think that the vast majority, because we would think the Muslims would go after the infidels, those who are you know, unbelievers in their minds. But in fact, that's not the case at all. The, the vast majority of those who are killed by Muslim extremists are in fact Muslims. So, because we want to ask the question, why is it that these ten leaders will be so bent on wanting to destroy the world's economy? Because in doing that, they're not stupid people. Um, they would realize that they would in fact be uh, hurting the, 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 the economies of their own nations that they dwell in. But nevertheless, they will still be bent on doing that. They will be fixated upon this, this um, thing that God has placed in their hearts to destroy the world's economy. So why would they want to do that? And so it's not a case of they would think rationally and say, well, you know, if we went out and did this act of destroying the world's economy, it's going to impact on our nations as well. That doesn't enter into their consciousness. That's not their thinking. Now, why is that not their thinking? Well, as we've seen, the acts of terror that Muslim extremists do is never against just infidels. 
because if it was, we wouldn't have the statistic that the vast majority of their victims are Muslim. Um, because they would think to themselves, you know, we're not Muslims, we mustn't kill Muslims. That's not their thinking. Their thinking is to just destroy. And they have an absolute hatred for the world system. It's not just the West and the, the world that the Muslim extremists hate. They also have a hatred for fellow Muslims who are trying to live in this world and to become a part of this world. And that, so you get, we, I think they term them as moderate Muslims in, in, in Western society. Um, because, you know, they're not this, this extremist grouping. And they call themselves the majority. And so they are moderate and they don't want to go out and kill people and blow things up and destroy. But the, the, the extremist Muslims have a hatred for the moderate Muslims because they perceive them as not being true to the faith. And so they are just as legitimate a target for their extremism as the infidels are as well. And so that is why these 10 um, religious leaders that will rise up within the Muslim faith <coughs> will have no problem in formulating this confederacy, this plan to destroy the harlot, which is in fact the world's economy. And in the next teaching, we're going to look at just how they go about doing it. But it's going to be through using uh, Muslim extremists and motivating them to commit this grand uh, act of terror in the earth, which will have the effect of destroying the world's economy. But it will be driven by these ten. And um, that is what God has placed in their hearts to do. That's, God's purpose is going to be fulfilled in that aspect. Because God has no love for this world's um, system, because it's all against God anyway. And so the very first thing that will go is, is uh, Babylon will be judged and that harlot will be destroyed. But it gets destroyed by these ten leaders. And so these ten leaders, as we go into the end of the age, become very important, very um, prominent for uh, the, the church to recognize and to understand what their purpose is. And that is as far as we're going to go with regards to the ten leaders. Um, in the next teaching, we want to actually look at the destruction of Babylon itself. And so we'll see just how it is that these ten leaders will be able to orchestrate this event in the earth, uh, which is in fact the destruction of the world's economy. So we're going to end the teaching on that one.